our culture says behavioral changes first and then we will have belief in you okay but human nature says belief first then behavioral changes come after Hello and welcome to Champions for NorCal Kids. I'm Wendy Dickens, Executive Director at First Five Shasta. And I am Heidi Mendenhall, Executive Director at First Five Tehama. We would like to invite you to join us as we highlight the great champions who work for the youngest members of our community in Northern California. Our goal is to share the wealth of our community with our community. Good morning. How's it going? Good morning, everyone. So we have Erica Jones here today, and I'm so very excited to have her come. She has such a wealth of information in a variety of different kinds of, of arenas that all, you know, as she describes, meld it back into learning more about what impacts are happening for early education. So she, you know, teaches out at Simpson College, but she teaches adults around education and the use of brain um, information to determine learning styles and what part of your hemisphere is using what to learn. And then she also works at the Library Foundation and volunteers there. And actually she's very modest about it because she has been really kind of the lead and the spur in a lot of the work that's happened recently uh, due to their absence of an executive director. She kind of filled in um, as the board chair in that role. So, you know, it's just an exciting thing to have her here, to be able to talk about all the different parts and pieces that really do inform us for early education, but also how then that she's been able to impact early literacy and those sorts of pieces. So yay, thank you for coming. <laughs> what an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to be here this morning and looking forward to answering your questions and talking a little bit more about how really each piece of the puzzle of literacy, you know, focusing on early childhood development, but how impactful it becomes to highly functional contributing adults in our communities, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> so Let's I'm looking forward that. to <laughs> Yeah. Tell us about your work at the college and then how that kind of guided you to where you are. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So I actually would say my previous life as an academic, which sounds so interesting because if you were to meet me in person, you would not think that I'd spent so much time <laughs> teaching in the classroom, but I became passionate um, about the studies of specifically people, right? And in all phases of development within a personhood. So stemming from early childhood all the way through the end years. Um, adult development would be the, the academic term, but we're just gonna call it end of life, end of life stages. Um, and how it intersects so uh, importantly into organizational health, right? So we look, at, we look at society and we ask ourselves, why do we have all these problems? We have all these problems because we're dealing with broken people who don't know how to work together or have, are carrying wounds and pain and, and triggers and um, intense uh, cognitive dissonance, I'm gonna call it, right? Into the workplace and into their families and into um, the next generation of leaders that we're building. So that's a big high level concept, but this idea of um, helping people unlearn and then relearn 
to become the best version of themselves got me so excited. So I spent the last year teaching at Simpson University, 10 years. I'm sorry. Wow. Shaved off nine years, (laughs) 10 years. Yes. And um, honing in on really a couple core classes and that, that had to do with recognizing how to help people learn. If we can, if we can jump the hurdle of removing the stigma around learning that you don't have to do it just one way. There are so many ways to learn, right? And most of the time we, we haven't taught, I would say the elder generation, I think it's changed a lot in classrooms now, right? We're a little more aware of learning styles is what I'm experiencing, but older students, they didn't have the benefit of the science of learning learning styles as deeply ingrained in the educational setting. And so we're playing catch up with that subgroup of people. But um, learning styles is incredibly important in uh, the health and function of making sure that our that we're doing our very best and that we know how to store information and also to communicate information, how to communicate really well. So I hope that gave a little nutshell for you about the why at Simpson for sure. I think, well, and I think too, that it all helps, I think for listeners and for everyone involved, just to be mindful that, you know, it is important when we're talking about young children and how we're helping them develop, like reminding ourselves as we get older, what it was that we were learning when we were younger and that it all is kind of the cycle, right? And as adults in this world, as we move forward, we're going to learn more. And we're going to learn more. And um, I've said this before in, in other episodes, but, you know, sometimes we're okay with technology around the computers we use and the phones we use and the systems that are created for work environments to be okay with that advancing. But when we talk about brain and knowledge around brain, it, and it's such a vast topic and then development and how that looks and learning new techniques and, and speaks volumes. And as we get in further to our human race, we learn more and more, but we're not always accepting of that information. So it's great to hear that, you know, that's still part of the topics that are taught in, in helping people who are going to be working with, you know, children of all ages and adults learn about some of those things. So that's a hundred percent it. I mean, we're doing ourselves a benefit by healing our own issues. And I'm talking not just emotional healing. I'm talking about actually understanding and rewiring how you think about yourself and how you learn. And all that's going to do is prepare your children or prepare others that you're around, right? To show them that anything is possible, that we, <laughs> that our brains are so incredible. Right, I, right, I, yes. I am incredibly passionate. I mean, it's a, such a two-prong approach. You can't just deal with the children. You have to talk about the parents. You have to talk about the parents too. And whole what family. <laughs> the whole unit is 100% it, right? And it's not about power, right? Because we, I think that's a big thing also, that's the stigma around teaching is, oh my gosh, there's so much, you're so powerful or whatever it may be. Uh, being a professor means you're actually, it has so much less to do with lording information or even in parenting, I would agree with this. And so much more about support in the process, support in the process. And if I can tie this back to the importance of the first five years, the importance of early childhood literacy, we are never going to get it right. We are not perfect people. And we all are carrying our own baggage into parenting or into our, um, into our workplace. If you're an educator with young children, um, if you're working on programming, I and mean, there's going to be stuff that comes along with you, 
However, however, your main job, right, is supporting the students and these early little people in the process of discovering this world in such a beautiful way. And right? so that parents. And I love that that you just said that like you're not going to be perfect. You're just doing the best you can with what you have for yes. today. Yes. Um, with everything combined with that, right? Your knowledge, yeah. how you're feeling about the day, how you're feeling physically, all of those, how the children are reacting to things. I mean, it's all of those pieces, right? And your habits. Mm -hmm. I think habits are something that we don't talk about enough that can be such small teeny tiny incremental changes, not these huge behavioral changes that you are feel like a mountain you have to move. Like I'm gonna read to my kids every night. Let's just say that's the cornerstone that we all talk about is this idea that reading to our children is so important, but you know what? You've got five kids, all of them are at different reading levels. <laughs> someone screaming, nobody wants to read the same book. How do you divide your, you physically can't be in every, okay, so what do you do, mom? What do you do, dad? What do you do, teacher? Okay, how do you accomplish this goal? Well, these small, these small steps forward to these big goals, these small habit changes, um, recognizing like, okay, I can't read everybody a book tonight, but I'm going to set a habit where I'm going to talk out loud to my children from a book, regardless of whether or not they're listening and I've arrived and then celebrating your success in that moment of making that small change that those habits are where we see the catalyst for generational shifts. Let's dig into that a little bit. So okay. you to do to, you know, can't be in five rooms at one time or five places yes. or five different books, right? No, so no. The one habit you said was to talk out loud. Like if you were to have to suggest two small habit changes that could help a parent or family or caregiver include reading when it seems insurmountable, what would they be? And then you mentioned celebrating. So what does that mean? How do you celebrate? The, the way that the brain is wired, if you choose to celebrate in the moment after you've completed a goal, it's actually releasing a chemical serotonin into your brain that's rewarding you, right? So celebrating, that's why gra practicing gratitude is such a big fad, but it's not a fad, it's actually science, right? But we're, we're catching onto this idea of, oh, stopping and celebrating because the brain rewards you. It rewards you for stopping and, and having a positive moment, uh, grounding yourself by saying, I did a good job, right? So these are these go hand in hand. So let's, let's say um, exactly two habits, okay? One may be setting a timer, setting a timer and saying, I'm gonna do bedtime for 20 minutes. This is what, this is our family routine. We're gonna do bedtime for 20 minutes, okay? And I'm gonna tell a story and you could include the kids in the storytelling process, right? And invite them in invite them into a book. You don't have to read the words on the page. You could even just read one of the pages and then allow the kids to tell the story with you for 20 minutes. After the timer goes off, you either move to the next kid, <laughs> right? Or, or it's over. And that's, that is worth celebrating. Why? Their core memory, their kid's core memory, they will remember you reading to them for hours. Cause I don't know about you, but 20 minutes as a kid, that's like eternity. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like forever, right? But for yourself, I would even, I mean, some nights I can only make it to 10 minutes just because I have a two-year-old, right? So rewarding yourself for stepping into the role, for meeting that small, tiny habit and not feeling like you're going to fail if it's not perfect 
or if it's not what everyone tells you it should look like, all the shoulds that you pile on, right? But instead asking yourself, what am I capable of doing within my capacity today, tomorrow? And what feels like it's sustainable? And then how can I reward myself along the way? Because I've done a really good job. Oh man, whenever you're stepping into creating new habits, maybe that you didn't have if you have childhood adverse experiences with your parents or reading is difficult for you as an adult or you name it, all of the things that can get in the way during that quality time that you could spend those few minutes before bed, the... I don't even know if it has to be before bedtime. Who makes the rules about reading to your kids? That's what I want to know. I think that's what I'm Which challenging. Which is funny here. because that wasn't when my dad read to us, right? Like it, for me, it was during the day. And he's I able, think we he should challenge it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think we should challenge it. Like, so like, well, maybe that's it too, is the habit doesn't have to be during the day. What if it's listening, you know, and talking in the car on the drive home from school? I mean, undo, it's an unlearning as much as it is a learning, but creating habits that are clearly attainable, small, do not make them insurmountable, make them so incredibly attainable that you can't help but nail it. You can't help it. It's like so easy to nail because it's the goal and the habit is so small, but then reward yourself and then reevaluate in six to eight months and ask yourself, what's my next goal? Oh my gosh, this works for so many areas as well. So do you need to find the reward that works for you or are there rewards that you're hearing about that like are consistent kinds of rewards that are better to use over others? There are multiple layers of ways to celebrate yourself. I would say fundamentally, we need to get better at just celebrating ourselves internally. Wow, self-compassion and celebration. Wow, Erica, today was a really hard day. The kids were crazy. It's not you, it's them. <laughs> not you it's right no okay. it's so they are, they are unfit for society in this moment but you were doing a really good job with these untrained creatures that you are you know have been have been given to take care of so today you did a really good job in the midst of all the crazy and all the things on your face honestly we need to work on self-affirmation do you have any tips if we don't believe that like for right now across the yeah. board in education, teachers are dealing with lots of hard, yeah. lots of guidelines that no one truly believes are the best, but it's the best we can do in this moment, right? Yeah. Like we're working with the best we got. Yeah. So if you don't really believe you did a good job, if, how do you celebrate? <laughs> you, I think, okay, there are going to be external circumstances in any walk of life. Our kids are going to have external circumstances that don't line up with their inner script, right? But it has nothing to do with whether or not you did a good job has nothing to do with whether or not there are, um, in this context, whether or not there is impact. Yeah. Okay. okay. If we tie this point. notion and point. this practice of saying you showed up today in the in the presence of insurmountable <laughs> things that you can't you have no control over but you came in today you showed up open you showed up willing to have hard conversations you showed up and you gave 10 extra percent or you gave 1% to that kid in the corner who had a rough day when you didn't need to you could have just been a proctor in this classroom you could have just you showed up open and you showed up willing. 
showed up open, showed up willing and shown show up saying to yourself, I resolve to doing the best I can with what I've been given. And, and really doing that. that makes our brain. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. And I was just gonna say, and that while it sounds nice and fluffy, actually provides our brain access to producing rewarding chemicals that help us learn. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm not and here not just giving permission to people to just like slough because that's not what you're doing either. When no. you say I'm gonna do the best I can, that's yes. what you're gonna do, and it does provide your brain with some messaging, right? I think there's always that hard balance between saying I'm doing a great job. I mean, people, I think in any context, you can take advantage of a really good thing, right? You can take advantage of it. But for those of us who purpose ourselves to wanting to make impact, right? I'm talking to that group of people who are like, I actually want desperately to make impact in these kids' lives. I want to grow them. And yet we make, we, we have all these external circumstances, right? So, and then there are going to be that subgroup of people that are like, I'm going to do the very bare minimum because that's how I roll. And we, we mourn them because it's a missed opportunity for them. They're missing their life impact. And And through a workforce lens right now, we are assuming positive intent because we just all have hard, right? So we should appearing to do the bare minimum does not mean that's the intention. Exactly. Putting one of these small tricks into your brain as a parent, a teacher, a Starbucks barista can help you learn. And that Starbucks barista has the opportunity then to teach something to the next customer that has a child, right? Like we all have impact on children. So doing this for our brain really impacts everybody. And how we're modeling, right? How we're modeling to the children of the world. Like it really is frustrating for me when you do see adults misbehaving and then they blame the younger generation for being disrespectful. Well, I'm, I I just would like to say you are a model to them and they're watching you at every step of the way. Um, But aside from that, I think one of the big pieces that is important in this messaging is we should be thinking of people coming from positive intent the majority of the time, right? You can tell when, you know, someone's having just a bad day, but normally, even if it looks like they're just mediocrely in your eyes doing the job, think of it as they're doing the best they can in the moment. You don't know what's going on behind their lives and in their brains and all the other pieces, right? So that positive intent that you mentioned is such an important and integral piece um, of what, we're trying to achieve when we're giving ourselves some kudos in our brain, right? Like we're giving ourselves positive intent. We're telling us ourselves, but then also coming from a place of looking at other and that lens of showing up and seeing other people with positive intent. Our culture says behavioral changes first, and then we will have belief in you. Okay. But human nature says belief first then behavioral changes come after, right? The behavioral changes that you see before you're, before you belong, right? Are actually out of a need to fit in. They're striving. They're not, they're not, it's not a healthy foundational set of behavioral changes. So consider that for our kids, these early years, right? This sense of belonging and how important it is for them to feel this purpose and identity within the home, I'm safe here, right? Oh, that that gets my heart going. And then also in the school, in in the classroom, they may not feel like they have a sense of belonging at home, 
they may feel unsafe at home, right? But in the classroom, they can feel a sense of belief from their teacher and a sense of belonging, that they are a part of something in this unit. And if we can establish belief and belonging in the classroom in these early years, then we will, we will see the behavioral changes stemming out of that rooted, grounded sense of identity. That, that will is why, change the world. Right? And that is why inclusion and language, how we say things, are important. And so you hear people around here, and just to your point that you made, saying stuff like, well, we're too PC nowadays. And it's not about being politically correct. It's about showing up and showing that you have interest in other individuals who may not look like or represent your culture or place in the society, right? So, you know, part of this it really does stem from feeling as a child included in where you're at and heard and using certain language helps with feeling included and heard, right? So when you make off, you know, handed jokes or, you know, jokes that may impact a, an individual within a group as kind of a stereotyped way, you may think they're laughing and you may think that they're having a grand time with you, but they may not feel like they can say anything to you as the person or individual in the room to, you know, say anything different than the majority that's there, right? So and I think it's I like, so important. I like to remind people when we have these conversations that we're talking about children. Yes. We're talking about children here, yes. little kids. We're talking about little kids and their stories are not over yet. They've got long life to live and this is their only life. This is what we're doing right now. And you're, you're only in fourth grade for a season. I'm not going to say once because sometimes you have to go. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But you're yeah, only no, there so for true. a season. You're only in your early first five years once. You're only in, you know, so this is it. This is it. You are the person in their life. They are tying their memories to your words. So, oh yeah, it gets me. I am, I love, I love what, I love this work. I love what I do. I love having these conversations with people because it does shift the, the mindset, right? If you talk, if you start talking about actually changing, like and creating positive people who are impactful, people of impact, I'm going to call them that people of impact. Then we're talking about creating environments where those people come from and people of impact come from typically well-resourced, supported places. I'm not gonna call them family, that their family unit, because sometimes they don't have a strong family unit, but most of the time along the way, they have had their place or their person that has come alongside of them and that believed in them. And that's so key, I love that, because people all the time around our areas, um, and around the nation, but I hear it a lot here, it's they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps or they pulled themselves up or they worked so hard. And I wouldn't say they didn't work hard, but what I would say is there's someone along the way that helped encourage, helped support their vision, helped them see they could have a vision, helped in some fashion. And yes, they had to work hard, but did they do it by themselves? Unlikely. They did not live out in a forest by themselves as a hermit and then become successful. Exactly. That is not how no. it happened. I mean, we love to tell that story of I did it myself, but if we were really to unpeel the history of someone's life, you would find key people and they're most of the time behind their behind the scenes 
And most of the time, they don't even know the impact that they made, right? It's thankless work. It's thankless work. And once in a while as educators, I know you probably have students that come back and say, you impacted my life. But all of the students that come through their, your classroom remember you. There is not one teacher that I've had that I'm like, well, I don't remember who my second grade teacher was. Oh no, I remember who my second grade teacher was, right? And I remember it fondly. So I don't, I just, I think it's so important also that we touch on what you just said, Wendy, of these stories of people that are powerful and, influ and influential in culture, okay? In culture that the family unit may not have been, like I mentioned, their safe place, but sometimes it is, right? But those key people along the way that did believe in them and then the resources that came with it, access to information, access to technology, that is also a key catalyst in what makes these extraordinary humans that are doing things like changing the world, creating water filtration systems. I, I mean, breakthroughs in technology. I, I mean, they're, they, that's where they have come from. I love, yeah, I love what you said about working hard because that is the other key stigma we have to remove. We have to work hard. There is absolutely no world in which you should not have to work hard. In fact, work is part of the fun and, and, and that should be something we celebrate as well. And if you hate your job, you should quit. Because if right? you hate your job, then other people you are going to have a bad experience with you and then they're not going to want to work and then they're going to think it's okay. And I'm like, go find a job you like because right. you being miserable is not actually helping anyone and it's definitely not helping you. For sure. Especially when you talk about all of the brain, you know, um, wiring that's happening even in adulthood, but also the chemist, the chemicals that are released during, um, the times that you're angry and the time that you're frustrated and the time, and sometimes that's beneficial to you if it's short spurts, right? But when you talk about consistent long-term, um, some of those being released and then burned out basically, then your life starts to look different later on. And that's I mean, where depression begins to set in and what yeah. we call burnout. Um, you know, and, and that constant, like feeling like you have to work the, I mean, work hard, but you also have to, to take self-care, but if you love your job, like you said, like if you find a passion within your job and you know, that's what you yeah. are destined to do. And that's something that you can sink your teeth in and keep working hard for. Sometimes that is your fun. And it's not that cortisol brain stressor hormones that are going on all the time, right? Because you found a love that yeah. brings you joy as well yeah. during the time that you're working. And sometimes it doesn't look like your job. Sometimes it looks like your hobby. Sometimes it looks right. like your sport. Sometimes it looks like doing, you know, creating. I, I mean, like find your place, right? And find right. your people. I, um, I'm, are you, I know you guys are familiar with ACEs and the impact that these adverse child experiences have and the studies that have shown how impactful stress is on the body, even later in life and how trauma gets carried on even in your DNA. So I'm like, why did we think, why do we think that being an adult changes anything? We're just little kids in big bodies who think you know better. Like it's the same science, everybody. Like know, right? we're really worried about dyes in our food, but like, can we talk about the stress level stress? that we're all experiencing and how that's actually poisoning our bodies? Right. <gasps> I mean, like I know. that's so funny you say that, well, you know, cause uh, you know, yes, first fives specifically. 
So we were just doing um, an advocacy day where we meet with legislators and we talk about different things. And obviously we talk about how you want to strengthen a family and, and inner, you know, give them the resources that you were yeah. mentioning earlier and so that they can have the best impact on those young children it, as young in their family's life as possible, right? Like right when they become parents and, they, and they're now formed into a new family functioning, right? Not just two family members, but three family members, now four family members. You want to give them all the supports, but we talk a lot about ACEs, you know, and, you know, we have, when, when I began to work in the Strengthening Families Collaborative for Shasta County, we talked and we, people didn't know the why of why we were trying to strengthen families or had these five protective factors or the 40 developmental assets. And a big piece of that was talking about the why, the adverse childhood experiences. And in talking about that, you have to talk about that brain and how its response to the trauma and the adversity over time creates health issues. And that stress it, as an adult, if you've continued that is only going to continue to perpetuate a a, a trajectory of poor health and other kinds of health issues. So, you know, your point is important for people to understand. It's important for them to begin to digest and realize like, yes, okay. Yeah. Let's look at our food and our nutrition and, and nutrients. Those are important to our body, but so is how we're handling stress and coping with stress and dealing with the trauma and adversity of the past. And have we done that healthy? Or have we just continued to push it down and move forward in a way that's not been beneficial to changing the brain? Yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> I love well, it. And I think <laughs> with coming back to teaching though, like coming back full circle, like it's important for teachers to recognize this, not just in teaching the children that they're teaching or the adults they're teaching, but in knowing themselves and what they're bringing to the table and how their brain is affected by and or triggered by someone in their classroom, right? Because you can be triggered by any age group. And you sometimes it's triggered, triggered by in anything. A way that, you know, huh? Yeah, you can be triggered by anything. I mean, right, woo. right. But I think sometimes I talk to teachers and they forget that students, even though they're only four or they're only five or only 10, they are bringing some stuff. And sometimes you're triggered in a very empathetic kind of response that sometimes that is becomes too much of a response. And then other times you're triggered in this like very harsh way because your brain, whatever trauma you're bringing to the table that you may not have worked through um, and or stressors that you're bringing, um, you know, it really does affect the way that you teach. Yeah, 100%. I just, as you were talking, I'm reminded of how amazing our educators are. And yeah. how thankful I am that they show up every day to create space for these kids to, I'm so grateful for them, for all the things that we see and all the things we don't see <laughs> that happen behind the closed doors, all that time and energy that they spend. Um, I, it might be in my mind, one of the most difficult jobs um, that don't, that does not get the credit um, that it deserves. And I would hope, you know, it kind of makes me think like it may, if I was in charge of the world, maybe I'd make everyone work a classroom at least like one day in their life. Like you <laughs> all have to, you know, as part of like a prerequisite for graduation, you all have to control the fifth graders. Good luck. Like that would, <laughs> I think we would probably content. all funding about barriers would be removed. We, everyone would be like, fine, somebody who wants to, you know, like, <laughs> who wants to treat my day? Yeah. I don't want to do it. You know, I, I just admire them so much 
so much. So if you're an educator and you're listening to this, you have all my support and I'm so eternally grateful to you. And there's no room for judgment unless I'm willing to get in there myself. And I'm not. So I have no other, there's nothing on the table that I have that would give you any help other than me saying you're doing a really good job and thank you. I know, right? I think it's, uh, hopefully people started to realize that a little bit more with COVID, like, oh, that's why I didn't, I can't even do this with my own children, let alone give me a classroom of 35. Like seriously, is not going to (laughs) happen? I don't know how this happened, but when COVID hit, News Channel 7 called me. And they were like, Erica, we want to interview you for how you're doing homeschooling in your house. I have three boys. At the time, Tanner, my youngest, was just a baby. He, I don't even remember if he was walking. Is it bad that I'm not sure if my third was walking? I'm like, where is he? What is he doing? I think he had rice krispie treats for breakfast. I don't know. Okay. So, So my oldest, Hunter, was in first grade at the time. And the news station comes in and I'm like so stressed out because the world is shutting down. I'm not sure what's happening. I think everything's on fire, whatever. And the camera is in my living room and Hunter's sitting behind me and I had a whiteboard and I had it organized and my, okay, I'm going to follow the directions. And as we're sitting there, Hunter's beside me, he flips upside down on the couch and roundhouse kicks me on the head (laughs) on TV. As I'm trying to tell everyone, I'm okay. Everything's fine. Everything is great. This is so great. I've got this dialed in. He kicked me in the head. Like, I, I did. I don't even know what to do. I think I like just moved his hand, his like foot out of my face. Oh my and gosh! Just carried That's on. Amazing. I do have that clip immortalized on my Instagram. If you want to go take a peek at it, because it is too. I can't. What do you do? What do you do? Yeah. I, I, but I, that quantified it for me. I'm like, these teachers get roundhouse kicked in the face all the time, you know, metaphorically speaking. And here I it's am. Like, day, two. <laughs> day two, everything's great. Everything's fine. I got my whiteboard. So we're, we're going to be. <laughs> I just, my whiteboard. You can't It'll make this stuff okay. up. Oh my gosh. I am sure every mom watching the show thought that was the funniest thing in all the world. I was mortified. And then I'm like, whatever, that's my life. It's fine. Like, and they were like, is, that is my is. reality too. I totally feel a hundred percent because that is me. like, isn't that the truth? You think you're doing such a great job. And then your kid kicks you in the face and you're like, and brought down to reality here. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, listen, I want to talk to you guys a little bit, if you wouldn't mind um, a little bit about the library foundation. And I want to talk specifically as we tie a little bow on talking about support for families, talking about support for community, and talking about support for how to build a better future, right? And to get make sure that we're not only meeting the goal of having a belief but, and the belonging, but also the resources that we need all of our children to have to reach the level of exceptional. So when I think through in my, my mind, and this is the process that I walk through of how I can make the biggest impact on the most amount of people to bring access without barriers, access specifically to information, because information is power, right? In the years past, historically speaking, books were the way we delivered this information. That is how we taught. That is where we stored the great stories of the past. That's history, et cetera. But that has all changed. We now have technology, right? And that's one of the main ways. Books are still very important, but we're finding and delivering and disseminating information via technology more frequently. 
So the library has to look different. The library fundamentally was the place that you would go to access information. We think of it as books, but really it's about access to information. So the goal of the library was to remove any barriers to any community member at any socioeconomic level to have access to whatever they would need for free to be able to learn, to leverage themselves out of poverty or to give them access to a piece of information or knowledge bank, bank of information that could allow them to self-create. Who do I wanna be? Where do I go to learn about this? If I can't afford to buy the big books that I need to go buy to learn about X topic, I can do that at the library. Okay, so that, that remains the same. That remains the same. But we are seeing a shift in the purpose of libraries because access now looks like technology and technology is still very much a privileged game. Internet is $75 a month. And I know you saw this because we saw this when the coronavirus hit and we sent everyone home, 33,000 people were without internet in Shasta County. That's how many people could not afford or did not have access to consistent, reliable internet. Okay, that's a big problem. That's actually a huge problem. So we, we decided and doubled down on how do we solve that? We make technology, we make internet access accessible through for all at the library. This looks like cutting edge computers access. This looks like free boosted hotspots and Wi-Fi. You can actually get a hotspot with a library card for free from the library. This looks like incredible programming, reactivating, incredibly progr incredible programming that can get offered through the library. This talk, we're talking about tutoring programming services, right? We're talking about adult program services, taxes, how to start a small business. We're talking about a creative space where you can get your information out online via a podcast room for free, state of the art. We need Instagram stuff. They have a little bit, but we're building it. We're talking about 3D printing. Okay, one of my big goals and my, I would say the hell that I'm willing to die on <laughs> is getting, I wanna see the Shasta County library system have virtual reality machines magic school bus style where you can take your kids from the classroom into the library and they can go into this experience and walk through the ventricle artery of a heart as they would be inside of it. Do we want to inspire and create and allow and build those resources for I don't even care if it's just one exceptional student that comes from Shasta County that goes on to change the world. I would remove every barrier and fund every amount of money possible to see that kid get what he or she needs in order to reach their maximum potential. So that is what I'm going after at the Library Foundation. <laughs> I People don't know what to do with me. And so I'm like, I don't know what to do with me. Because <laughs> lofty goals aren't in your, in your agenda. Either. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, goals are, I'm like, that's just a goal. I mean, whatever, like we're gonna, but doing the very best I can every day that I'm willing to do. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. And they're so you described it, you know, tangibly. Right. But what you're also describing is imagining the impossible, seeing yourself in a future. Right. And these are things that create belonging for children and families that may or may not have had that before. Right. So it is 
it's still at its core about belonging. It's about belonging to the future. It's about belonging to a place where you don't even know you could exist, you know, and that, that is amazing. Um, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait Building. to walk into that virtual reality room. Yeah, with my yeah. We are going to build it. for the generations that we will never meet. The, the Shasta Library Foundation holds an endowment. And if that endowment goal is met, they will have a sustainable source of income in perpetuity forever. So our story may be, we worked really hard to meet our endowment goal. In the year 2023, Shasta County said, free access to information and technology for all is what we care about most. We can check that box. Then forever in perpetuity, there will be a sustainable source of revenue. Right. So we are truly building something that lasts forever. How often do you get to build something that truly lasts forever and to build something for generations that you will never meet? It's beautiful. So, okay. (laughs) So how do people get connected with you? They find themselves like, yes, I'm on that train. I want to support literacy, early literacy and access for all. How do they get connected? We are. Okay. So I'll be honest with you guys that we are going through a, we've gone through a complete rebrand. We're refreshing this. There's a fresh wind. We'll call it. There's a new perspective. There's the time is now we'll call it that the time is now something new is happening. We are looking, the library desperately needs volunteers. So if there's even teenagers that need volunteer work done or people who are willing to give, we're not talking major hours. We're talking one or two hours a month, whatever tutoring, if they have an exceptional skill set that they want to offer to the community or to kids or to mentoring, right? You can okay. you can do this at the library. So volunteerism. The Friends of the Library is also in desperate need of volunteers. And they do things like book sales on, I mean, once a month on a Saturday. They take in, people generously give books to the libraries all the time. So they go through the books, they find the valuable ones, they actually sell them to give back to libraries for money. And then the other ones, they go on these books. So they need some help there. We are always looking for board members. So if you're interested in helping us meet our endowment goal, I am looking, actively looking for board members for the Shasta Library Foundation. And this encompasses Bernie and Anderson as well, all of Shasta County. So um, we are open to, that would be another way to serve. It's a once, once a month meeting. And then I promise I won't run you too hard, except for that we have big goals. And so I probably will. (laughs) <laughs> but it's okay if you know what you're getting into at least you can join right. me <laughs> right expectations okay. yeah so if you want to have a lot of fun okay join my board but but truthfully we're looking for board members and then always always looking for people that are willing to give right if they can give to the endowment we're launching a campaign right now it's 1,000 givers at three dollars um three to five dollars a month is what we're looking for total right now guys I'm going to give myself some kudos 17 givers Yay. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. This is where you got to celebrate awesome. yourself along the way. You know, some people would not tell that number, but I'm like, guys, we have 17 people that said yes. And yeah. that's a beautiful and thing. That was zero when you started, right? And that like, was zero so. when we started. So Erica, you're doing such a good job. You're doing such a good job. So we're celebrating along the way and, and telling people about it. But those are some fundamental key ways. I will say this again. If you want to make an impact on your community, edifying your library is one of, if not one of the most important places to make the largest impact. Sure. So that's what we're doing. Yes. 
I love it. I love it. I love the library here. I love our library system because yes. um, the Shasta library, public library um, system is an amazing system, but library systems in general and Tehama County has a, a beautiful library system. We do. Um, we do. And then we have some little outlier libraries in some of our really remote areas, which are amazing in both counties um, and actually throughout our, throughout our, air, uh, our region, so to speak. So I think, you know, we can't, to enough. And so if you are listening to this, no matter where you're at and you want to volunteer, you believe in literacy and feel like you need to support it. You go to your local library, no matter where that's at. Yes, and it doesn't ask, matter. Is there yes. opportunities to volunteer? Is there opportunity to do some charitable work? Is there some opportunity to do just donate? What can I donate? Can I donate yeah. books? Can I donate time? Can I donate money? Whatever it is you have available to you, do that because it's going to help literacy regardless. And, and there's some very wonderful adult programs, um, building literacy for adults who've not been able to read that are in our area that I really commend the library system for making available, keeping it very discreet, not like, you know, shouting out at the rooftops, like, oh, look, this person didn't know how to read, you know, unless they want that. Um, I think it's just amazing. So I appreciate all the hard, hard work that you do um, and that the library does, um, because you do so many different things, Erica, like it's just, it, it's my, <laughs> it's my, I mean, I feel like I'm just showing up every day. Like, well, what are we doing today? What, yeah. where are we going? On top where of being a parent of, you know, very young, oh. very young, um, our little, um, all right. Five for five. Yes. Yes. Okay. So this is a true fire five for five. So short answers. First thing that comes to your mind, your favorite childhood book, go. Uh, Anna Green Gables, favorite childhood book. Love. Okay. Oh, I'm doing five. five oh, no, no, okay. I was like, what God. is your favorite leadership book? Um, it's called A Work of Heart. Um, it's by who is it by? Dang it. My, my, my the hit the author is slipping my mind right now, but I can see the cover. It's great. So I'll circle back with you, but it's called a work of heart. And it's specifically about leaders who are set apart and just different there. There's something about them and they don't know how to put their finger on it, but they are, um, yeah, a work of heart. Nice. Awesome. Your favorite childhood song. Oh Lord. Okay. Well, this is a tough one because I have so many childhood songs, but is it embarrassing that the one I'm thinking of right now is Ace of Base, Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls? Oh, I love that. That was absolutely a third grade childhood song for me. <laughs> I thought that was with the... Uh, <gasps> oh, no, wait, who is that? You're right. It's somebody, it's, it's not Ace of Base? No, it is. No, no. It's, it's a, a three. It's a three. Yes, guys, you're right. I used to sing and I do a two for one. Ace of Base <laughs> and Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls. Okay. Yes. Whew. All right. What is, um, so that was your favorite childhood song? Well, I mean, it's just the one that plays the most in my head when I think about my childhood, which my parents okay. would probably roll in their So grave. what's your favorite kind of nursery rhyme that you sing to your kids? I actually make up my own nursery rhymes. It's part of my little habit that I do with them. I make up my own and we play this fun game where we rhyme together until it gets ridiculous and usually ends in like poop, you know, or something. It always ends there. And so it's just the how long do we get? Chronological awareness using potty language. Yes. Right. <laughs> I'm like, cool, cool, cool. I'm so proud of us. I'm so proud. <laughs> And so you've mentioned this uh, um, a lot and it has absolutely so much to do with your brain chemistry. 
but how do you play? I'm a kinesthetic learner. So I play tangibly. So it looks like I'm mostly active. I really love to do, I like to do um, fun activities that require physical uh, work. So even when I'm learning or when I'm doing something new, I have to kind of like get into it. Right. Um, and so I play that way as well. So I love. prefer, I prefer activities that require like full body. I don't know. And what's your favorite? Like the one you did yesterday. What did I do yesterday? Well, I didn't really do much yesterday. I did, let me see, what did I do yesterday? Um, okay, the one you're gonna do tomorrow. <laughs> well, I, my Peloton is fixed and I really oh. like riding my Peloton because of the music and it feels like play, okay? Yeah, But like exactly. for my boys, they're doing a lot of baseball and so we'll go outside and we'll play baseball. I Okay, here's another one. I, we have a trampoline, but it couldn't just be a normal trampoline. Like if I'm gonna be in the trampoline, it needs to have like a disco light in it. it. So I got like a trampoline bouncy disco light so we can jump in at night and like get crazy. It's a good one. I love it. I love it. I want to be on your disco trampoline. (laughs) I'll send you a picture. And we can make a song out of that because you know Lady Gaga has a more inappropriate one, but we'll keep it more appropriate. Oh, yeah, you guys and I want to be that cool. You didn't yeah. really want one. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon. Yeah. I'll just come borrow yours. I don't have room. Perfect. That's funny. <laughs> Thank you so much for this conversation. We Hi. appreciate you. Yes, it's so nice to meet you. Thank you guys so much for having me. I, I just am so incredibly impressed with everything that you both, all of your organizations are doing for this community in I value it in any way I can support it. I am there for it. Uh, well, you make that happen in Shasta County and then we'll invite you down here. Or maybe let's make it happen in Cottonwood and we can share. <laughs> right? You know, we do borders. Well, I'm like, what border. borders? Can we just yeah. make a, a better exactly. place anywhere we go? Like, why does right. it have to be? Why do we have to have borders about it? That's okay. kind of how we operate. I like it. <laughs> True. Yeah, it is how we operate for sure. Like, I'm like, like what air is different? How, are, how is our air different around here? Can we all, we all just, it's all, okay. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. much. (laughs) You guys guys. have a great day. Okay, bye. Thanks for joining us today. Remember to visit our websites for any additional information, resources, or needs. They are listed in the podcast description. You can also email us directly at wdickens at first5shasta.org or hmendenhall at first5tehama.com. We truly hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and can't wait for you to join us next time. Remember, it only takes one person in a child's life to make a difference in building resilience. You, you can be that person.